remembering the here and now, the liberation, nibbana, amata dhamma, unborn, unconditioned, uncreated, here and now. Now this, uh, to be, to just remember this, so that, uh, because we're not, you know, our cultural conditioning is not programmed in that way. <clears throat> you know, our cultural attitudes, our personality, sense of self, is very much based on, re on time as our reality. And that um, we do something now to get a result, hopefully a good result in the future. Uh, for personal reasons or for societal reasons. It can be very altruistic reasons, but it's based on the sense of I am this person who has to do something to get something in the future. And that's that's uh, kind of ingrained in the in the psyche. That's the conditioning process. So Nibbana for the future or enlightenment for the future or the next life or uh, you know this, this, these are the assumptions we make when we read Buddhist uh, scripture <coughs> this is how we can easily interpret it because that's our mind is a uh, program through time is reality. The past is, is real, you know. It's, that's, I was this way in the past, I did this. The future is our reality. We, we can spend our lives living for the future. So, the, uh, like the spiritual seeker is uh, you know, breaking through this, this conditioning process, not denying it or destroying it, but recognizing it is, it has its value, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's not, not anything particularly wrong with it per se, but it is a delusion if that's all we know, if that's our identity depends on who we are as a condition, as a person, as a, as a human being, as a man or a woman, as a somebody with a past and a future. So that's why I, I, I wanted to bring this, uh, the unconditioned, the un into consciousness more, because I find this teaching quite generally ignored in Theravadan Buddhism. I don't think I've ever heard it chanted before by anybody. But to me, it's, uh, it sets forth very clearly, very accurately, the, the relationship of the conditioned to the unconditioned. And so just the statement, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. It's a statement of fact. It's not, it's not supposition. It's not uh, philosophical. It's not theoretical in not propounding a, a theory of some sort, 
of uh, like pantheism or monism or anything like that, and using English terms, philosophical terms. But it's, uh, it's a statement there is. And of course, then, you know, to try to, to think about that, define the unborn, uncreated. If you try to, to reason it out, it ends up being kind of annihilationist or nihilistic because the thinking process can't imagine it. You know, the you think, way our thinking works is dualistic. So it either ends up as a kind of, you know, it means nothing. It's just, you know, nibbana. Anatta means that it's just oblivion, nothing, void, empty. Because of the logic, uh, there is the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned. So in religion, they tend to personify, they put uh, characteristics on it, like uh, Trinity in Christianity. Allah in Islam tends to be like a father figure, uh, an a uh, patriarchal form. Uh, at least that's when we talk about Allah. We, you know, I, when Muslims talk about Allah, it it sounds like a some kind of male person, uh, patriarch. And so then this, uh, then God or Allah or the Great Creator or the, whatever. It's usually we put characteristics onto that, on the, uh, onto the unborn, uncreated, because we can't, uh, we can't uh, deal with, the, with just these words and with the thinking process. You say, I worship the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned. For most people that would sound ridiculous. So in, you know, in Hinduism they offer all kinds of uh, bizarre gods and goddesses to worship. Uh, Ganesha is a elephant-headed god, and different different aspects of virtue or benevolence. Because the human mind, this is this is on the ordinary, maybe the ordinary person. This is what we we want—a kind of benevolent mother or father, a kind of protector, a guardian, someone that personally takes an interest uh, from above. But in, uh, in this approach, the, the, the non-dual, you know, and then the Buddhism, Buddhism is, uh, <clears throat> its kind of emphasis is not even, uh, you know, it's not even the Atman or the ultimate, the, the big self like uh, Hindus tend to do. So it's, uh, <clears throat> it's left up for discovery, for recognizing, for realizing. <clears throat> but it's firmly stated there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. And I, I mean, I really, I think that's, uh, you know, I personally, my personal attitude towards it, I think that's wonderful. It's a statement, it's like a fact. It's not, not a theory. <clears throat> and then, it, in, in following it, there there is an escape from the born, the created, the form, the condition, because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Well, escape in this sense means that you know it, 
there's a way out of the trap of samsara, you know, out of just the, the conditioning process that we've acquired. <clears throat> we can, there's a, it's stated very clearly, there's, there's a way to get out of it. You know, you don't have to, you aren't stuck in it forever. And hopefully, if you pray to the right God, that he or she will be kind enough to lift you up when you die to live eternally in a, a, with them in a happy place because those are anthropomorphic uh, adjectives or attitudes. But we're getting outside the realm of thinking. So in the, the third fetter, Wichikicha, the first one, Sakayaditi, is uh, translated as personality view or the acquired sense of self <clears throat> ego, personality view, self-view. And then Sila Bhattabharamasa is a social or cultural conditioning, conventional conditioning. Whether it's religious or cultural or social attitudes, it's, uh, Sila, I put uh, all those terms like social conditioning, cultural conditioning, religious conditioning in that Silapattabharamasa category because that I find very helpful because uh, there's a lot of assumptions we make from cultural positions you know because that's uh, because our society particularly kind of is has totally accepted these cultural assumptions then we, we may never question them or see through them, we merely operate from those assumptions. Or we have the, the arrogance of our culture is the advanced civilization. Attitudes like this uh, can be Sakya Ditti and Silabhattabharamasa. And then Wichikicha, doubt, translated as doubt, and, and doubt always is the result of attachment to thinking. Now I've explored this because my, my nature is a, is a doubting one. I'm a skeptical, doubting personality. <clears throat> so it's, um, it's just the way my mind operates. And, it, and so it, um, you know, had to deal with doubt. Doubt on any level, whether it's doubt about myself, doubt about Buddhism, doubt about, uh, you know, where, where, is the, uh, where is my coffee cup or <laughs> things like this. Whatever doubt is, it can be on a very practical, mundane level or doubt about the ultimate meaning of life or whether there's a God or not or whether Theravada Buddhism is, is the right way or doubt about myself or my ability to practice or to, to um, realize the truth. So that's why the, like the, the Zen Buddhist style <coughs> is quite, you know, they, they really approach doubting very directly with their kind of conundrums and koans <clears throat> because in in any religion also we do attach to the to the 
to the words, which if we just, if that's all we do, if there's no Bhattibhata but merely the Bharyata, then there's, there's always, uh, you know, we can never doubt just by, because we refuse to, <clears throat> but on the thinking level, when you attach to thought, uh, you'll end up never being quite sure, uncertain, doubting, skeptical. And, uh, and so that's why I emphasize the, the uh, recognition of the limitation of the thinking process. Because we are educated to think. Culture, modern culture is all about education, 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 as Tony Blair put it when he was prime minister. Doubt. Now in uh, awareness, because it's non-thinking, it's not about thinking about being aware, it's being aware. And so it, it has to be recognized. If you think, am I really aware or not, then you, you can, you, that's doubt, isn't it? Am I really aware, am I fooling myself that I'm aware? And is what I'm doing now, is that really awareness or not? I'm not quite sure. And so, you know, when we, we read, you know, the scriptures and we attach to the, the way we translate or interpret scriptures, uh, Pali scriptures, you know, we can, it just brings back the old uh, habits of doubt. Or we feel we have to believe in everything quite literally. We can be, you know, we have to take everything in a very literal way according to the way we, as uh, Europeans, would translate it. So that's why, where Wichikicha, the third, the third fetter, uh, is, uh, you know, really, you know, trust yourself to observe thinking rather than try to figure what the unborn, uncreated, unconformed, unconditioned is. You don't have to figure it out or analyze it or, you know, all you, you need to do is affirm it more and more. There is. And then this emphasis on sati sampachanya, because that's, kind of, that's the essence of uh, Buddha Dhamma, this sati sampachanya. As, a, as the actual uh, escape or way out of the samsara or the, the cycles of birth and death. So then I ask myself, if there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, what is it right now? It's like the self-inquiry techniques where you uh, ask yourself questions. If if it's here and now, it's unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. It can't be a thought. It can't be, a, you know, a concept of any sort. It's not something lacking in the present. It's not something like that I'll find it in the future. So it's, this is where the third noble truth of cessation of suffering is the, this real realization. 
is recognized, is a mere simple recognition of there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. You know, recognize, not just chanting the, the words or believing, you know, in, in, the, in the chant itself or the, or the teaching, but recognize, awaken to the real. So I know that uh, some of you, you know, see yourselves always as in, in, in you know, are self-critical and um, believe your criticisms and, and this can sound too subtle or too remote or, you know, how, how it does affect our personality. Like if these words, unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, you know, baffle you. That's a form of doubt, isn't it? I don't know what he's talking about. And and that just by listening to your own sense of, I don't know what he's talking about. Is just listening to that to your to the maybe this reaction you have to this particular teaching, so that you that which listens and 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 can witness, observe the sense of of your frustration, self, inability to, to understand in the way you think you should, that's it. You know, trust this awareness, not the, the th condition itself that says, I don't understand what he's talking about. It's not about understanding in that way and like defining it and describing. It's, a, it's an imminent reality. It's here and now. It's not, it's not, uh, Something, you know, if you see yourself as too coarse or unable to awaken to reality, that in itself is a creation, a sense of I'm not ready yet for that advanced teaching. That's a self-view, that's a sakya ditti. So notice that, <coughs> that these three fetters are really important to, to contemplate, not to just you know, suppress them, but to, to really explore that in yourself, the sense of your self-worth. Not, not to, to de make any decisions about yourself, but to recognize how you create yourself, the, the, how you create out of habit, out of ignorance, this Sakya Ditti Silavatabharamasa Vichikicca. So listening, I found <coughs> this uh, this uh, sense of this uh, ability to listen. Like listening is, uh, you know, you can listen in the dark, uh, in the sunlight, in a crowd, on a mountaintop, wherever you are. Taking a bath, put on your robes, listen. And it's not listening for anything with some kind of preconception that you're listening for something or other, you know, you're trying to 
what is the sound of silence and trying to find it as some some preconceived sound that you you don't you're not aware of <clears throat> it's not about a thing that you're trying to listen to for it's not kind of you know trying to condition you with a preconception of the sound of silence when i talk about this it's merely a pointing at the here and now it's not not a sound that you know that you uh, that you have to you know, where, where, which would trigger off this sense of I've got to get this sound or I don't, I can't hear it, I don't know it. Because, you know, we can, when I, just the word sound can make it, can be quite de uh, deluding in itself. Any words, any attempt to describe it, but it's recognizable. So it is a it is a sense of listening, open attentiveness. Like you're just listening to the sounds of the universe. Just open yourself here and now. And it's a sense of relaxed attention. Broad spectrum, not listening in front, find listening for anything in particular. But it's, it's an attention, a form of attention. Uh, so it's a mindfulness, sati sampajanya. Now then, the, that's the encouragement to trust that, recognize it. Because we do it quite naturally, but, but we, we, we're not really conscious of it. You know, like the Sakya Ditti Silabhata Kicha, those fetters, those first three fetters, they, they program us, they blind us to reality because we're always operating from the conditioning of the mind. You know, so we're, we're caught in, the, in these kind of traps of the mind, fears, desires, doubts and so forth we're we're lost in this we're kind of hooked into it and and see no way out of it so people have you know a lot of misery <coughs> in their lives because they have bound themselves to the conditioning process and they don't know how to get out of it And then the ego or the sakyaditi usually is is based on ideals of you know it's all like modern societies of how what you should be all these ideals of uh, uh, that you, how a, a man should be like this woman like this. And so when you're, when you're always compare the reality of, the, of yourself with an ideal, you know, you don't, you're not going to come off very well with that. You know, you're going to feel guilty, inadequate. And because, you're, you know, you're not, you're not an ideal, so you can't be as good as you think you should be. 
<clears throat> and that's all the thinking process, you know, it's uh, the way we attach to thinking, the thinking process. We love logic and reason. <clears throat> We've developed the thinking process. <clears throat> You know, so the thinking process is not to be despised, but as an attachment, it only leads to doubt. Or as as a tool to use, it leads toward it's pointing at ultimate at the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. So just the words, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. It's not about attaching to those words or that we have to believe that there is. It's pointing, oh, the here and now. So here and now there is the unborn. What is that right now? Like uh, self-inquiry. What, what is the, if, you know, this is true, what is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned now? And then the statements about sati, mindfulness, path to the deathless. I mean, it's all, you know, it, it's, it, the scripture is, this is what it's about. It's pointing, always. Mindfulness, apamado amatapadang, mindfulness is the path to the deathless. That's in the Dhammapada. So I mean, that's a, I've always liked that particular teaching. So mindfulness, it's, it's, not a, it's not a creation out of the ego. You can't, you know, trying to make yourself mindful doesn't work. It's not about uh, cultural attitudes about mindfulness or modern psychology or what you find in the dictionary. It's a, it's a you know, if, if we were never mindful, we we'd, would have died it when we were babies. I mean, mindfulness is a necessity, natural. But on the ego level, we may never recognize it. Because we see ourselves, am I really being mindful? The Buddha says mindfulness is the path to the deathless. Mm. Am I really mindful or not? And we get caught in the, these uh, fetters again. So it's not about thinking or defining mindfulness, but being it. So it's an imminent reality. Now, here and now, awakened attention, listening. Now the mindfulness then includes everything and it's not about choosing something to be mindful of, it's this, this awakened 
state, recognizing it. And that's where I found the, the sound of silence helpful in it because to me it's very, you know, it's always present here and now. When I, you know, when I, when I recognize it, you know, I'm not, I don't kind of uh, go into a trance. I'm fully present, you know, I'm listening, and, that, and this listening includes everything. So the body, it, it includes, this mindfulness includes the body as it is right now, the sensations, the posture, the breath. It includes a walking uh, meditation, jongkrom, walking back and forth, right foot, left foot, includes everything. There's a background. And once it's recognized, then being that background gives you the perspective on your own karmic tendencies, whatever they might be. It's like seeing in perspective. You have a, a viewpoint from the unconditioned to observe the condition. The conditioned can't observe the unconditioned. You know, so as a person, you know, as a, as a personality, that person cannot observe, cannot know the unconditioned. But if I see through the personality, not suppressing it, but recognizing its limitation, that awareness then can observe the personality as it changes, arises and ceases according to situations and conditions. It can observe the assumptions I have about life and myself and how things should be and politics and economics and patriotism and culture and society and whatever. Uh, you know, it's, it bring into, you know, it has perspective on, on fear and worry, anxiety, greed, sexual desire, doubt and so forth, lopa dosamoa, it has perspective on that. It, it's not it, these things see, you know, forever, but your relationship to them changes from identity, resistance, attachment, denial to being the puto, observing the Dhamma, the knower of reality. But it's not personal anymore. So like these, these three fetters are the obstructions to the path or the stream entry. So in the four stages, Sotapanna, Sakada, Kamiana, Kami, Arahant, these are not, you can't claim these as personal attributes or attainments.
if you do, you know, you can do anything you want, really, but it, <laughs> you missed the point. If you, you know, if you, I'm a, I'm a stream enterer or I'm not a stream enterer. Now it's the same thing, isn't it? I am and then the, you are or you're not. Stream enterer sounds like somebody who's attained something. That's how I first, you know, saw it, like getting a bachelor's degree at the university. Stream entry was like, like getting a BA. And that's how, how my thinking mind, my ego operated. That's the, the condition, the, the Sakya Ditti Silabhata But these, uh, of the ten fetters, then the rest follow suit from that. If you can really <coughs> see through these first three fetters, then you'll, you'll know the path, the samaditi then. It's, uh, you know, right understanding or perfect understanding. So that's, uh, you know, that's samaditi from seeing through these, these artifices. They're, they're created by human beings. Like sexual desire, anger, these are kind of primal to the human condition or the, the mammalian or animal world, isn't it? These are not personal. So in, in the Sakadakami, there's still sexual desire, Gamaraka and Batiga, anger. These are, you know, these are primal conditions that come with the birth in this realm, having a human body or an animal's body, is you get sexual desire and, and anger, aversion, along with that. Now then the Sakya Ditti, we claim it as personal. You know, so it's my anger, my sexual desire. And, you know, we, we, the present age is, is just, you know, adamant about these as being my problems, my sex drive, my sexual inclinations, my, how I define myself with sexual preferences. This is Sakya Ditti. And, and these are, you know, these are encouraged to be our real world, uh, identity with sexuality, and then to see anger or aversion, you know, as some kind of personal weakness or flaw. So we, we take, you know, the, this realm that we're experiencing through these human bodies, we're living in this realm, you know, this body is a product of this environment, of this planet Earth. Wasn't born on Mars, born on this planet, it's subject to the planetary conditions. So we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think. We have survival intelligence, instinctual intelligence. We, this is not created out of human culture or civilization. These are just natural uh, 
they go along with the birth in this realm of having a, a physical body like this, having to survive, procreate the species. There has to be fear and anger and desire to, for sex to procreate, to, to save the species. These are instinctual, natural conditions that are not about Sakyaditi Silavatabharamasa Vichikicha. But notice how we do, uh, modern society does make them into, you know, we, we're obsessed with sexuality and, and, and we have judgments and attitudes and prejudices and fears that we, we call it, you know, we call it natural and wonderful or we call it dirty, vulgar and disgusting. We have, we, we have different ways of, of uh, relating to sexuality uh, from the Sakyaditi level and the Silabhattabharamasa level. The Silabhattabharamasa, there's a cultural attitudes about sex influence how we relate to this energy in our bodies. But the, the first three fetters are artifices made up by human beings. You're not born with a personality, with a, with a language. We have to learn how to speak. We're not born English or Sri Lankan or Thai or anything like this. This is, this is what, we get, what we're told after we're born. So the sense of nationality, of race, of gender, of uh, class, Is, uh, is an acquired uh, condition that, that human beings have generated. It's not from nature, not natural you know, to the laws of nature. It's what we create and generate from our own, uh, you know, the human culture, uh, human civilization. So that's why these first three fetters is, a, is the, the thing that blocks the stream entry or seeing the path or somebody are these three artifices. Now these are, you know, not like thinking is, is, uh, can be used skillfully or the personality, you know, we have different tendencies, different karmic tendencies. So that, uh, you know, as, as samanas, you know, we're not all the same thing. You know, we don't become just one kind of uh, person through uh, mindfulness. We, find, we, have, we recognize the un unicity, the oneness, the deathless reality, but then in terms of the condition, how conditions manifest, it's very different. You know, how, how I react or think or my, uh, you know, personality, how it manifests is not going to be the same as anyone else's. So, I mean, that's, but a relationship then to the personality is 
knowing it, not no longer being enslaved by it or limited by it. So some people, you know, different, you can see it in the Sangha here, different tendencies of timidity or, uh, you know, aggressiveness or, uh, you know, wanting to retire, wanting to proclaim uh, different levels of tendency to worry and, and so forth. These are quite personal, you know, we're not, we just don't become like, like, you know, like some ideal Buddha after awakening. <clears throat> but we, we uh, see the nature of life. We realize the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And so then, that, then, the, then the stream or the path is, is certain. It's beyond doubt. It's knowable, it's recognizable. It's not theoretical anymore. It's not about whether I'm right or wrong about it, you know, for thinking about myself as a, have I realized the stream or not? Am I just fooling myself? Am I just, you know, on an ego trip or, you know, I could endlessly kind of figure out, you know, as a person where I'm at. But that will get you nowhere. Either you, you start thinking, I am a stream enterer, and go around, you know, acting, you know, saying, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got my BA already, where are you? You know, I can proclaim it as some kind of personal achievement, or I can think, oh, I'm not really, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I try hard, but I've never quite made that stream entry level, or I'm not quite sure, you can be uh, just, uh, I don't know where I'm at really. But all these are due to thinking, aren't they? Attachment to concepts, to thoughts, to the created, the born, the originated, So that's why, you know, this emphasis on trusting this awareness, recognizing it and trusting, affirming it. Like there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. It's not that I'm the created, the born, it's not, it isn't, that, that it doesn't make sense. There is. This this uh, structure of there is ati ajatdang aputang akatang asankadang. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And then that try to, to that just thinking that, just reminding yourself of that, not as a belief, but as a reminder. This, uh, you know, at least this is how I've used it, to, to, to recognize it. In a state of doubt, where you're, you're not trying to figure it out anymore, you're open to the unknown, 
which includes everything. You're not trying to to define everything and label everything and and describe everything for it to be your reality. This state of uncertainty, <coughs> myst uh, mystery, unknown, puts you into this this way of openness, which you're not looking for something to, to grasp, but you're, you're letting go of everything in order to be fully aware, trusting, totally surrendering, uh, totally giving yourself to, giving up yourself towards this awareness. And then you can also get into perspective the habit tendencies to you know, the obsessive tendencies that we have as personalities. Now this takes, you know, determination to, to, you know, to affirm this and don't try to figure it out. Don't try to analyze it or, or go and find out whether what somebody else says about it. But it, you know, this is a, use it for, for awareness. So here in the, the temple, you know, this is a very uh, quiet place. And then, the, as I've told you before, some of you may uh, not know this, but when we when we decided to build this temple, the architect Tom Hancock, you know, came to me and said, "What uh, exactly do you want uh, for this temple?" Because he was to design a, this place, a temple for meditation. So I said, "I want," you know, I was being facetious too. I was being a bit cheeky. So I said, "I want you to build a temple." that as soon as stressed out people from London enter the temple, they go into quiet, quietude. And uh, I realized that's what he actually has done. Because <laughs> stressed out Londoners have told me as soon as they enter. <laughs> and it's just not wishful thinking, I hope, on my part. But it, for me, it definitely has that effect. Now this is a physical building, it's a condition in itself. <clears throat> so it's, uh, you know, it's not, you know, not to be seen as a sacred place and the rest of the world around us is profane. I don't, you know, I don't want to create this illusion in your mind, but it, you know, it's dedicated towards this, that there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. That's it, you know, that's how it, was conceived, and that's ultimately its purpose. So, just by reflecting on that, you know, see, just you could use a place like this, a building like this, as a reminder, you know, just so, so that when you get carried away, stressed out by worldly cares and concerns and fears and desires, then, the, you know, sometimes just entering the temple will remind you.
Now, during the uh, day and night of this retreat, you know, this, this reminder, I encourage it. But then if you want something to do, be, you know, use the body more, go to being aware of the sensations, like sweeping through the sensations. The body isn't easy enough one to, you know, easy enough condition to uh, recognize. It's not subtle. Some of the sensations are, but I mean, it's like, you, you know, how to use the body, not from some kind of sakyaditi level of my body and, and uh, vanity and so forth, or to think that, you know, I just want to dismiss it, suppress it, but use it, you know, because it's here and now. Body is sitting here, it's right here, sitting, breathing, Walking jongrom, it's walking, standing, turning. It has feelings. It's a, it, it's very, you know, sensitive to heat and cold, to temperature. Gets tired. You sit too long, you feel, you know, certain aches in your limbs or whatever. This is just the way it is, you know. So the body whatever posture you're in, you know, you can't just kind of cement yourself into it. it. You can only use it so long and then it, then because the nature of the body is it's changing too. So it can't just kind of, you know, fix in a, in a posture and stay that way for, for very long. So the movement of the body, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, the breath, if you are, you know, the, as you develop anapanasati, a samatha practice, it's, it's refining consciousness. You go into very refined conditions of conscious, consciousness, tranquility. So there's the body, the breath, Sound of silence, mindfulness. <coughs> then metta practice also. See, metta is not just thinking uh, positively about everything, but it's it's an acceptance of all conditioned phenomena. It's non-aversion. So apply that to your to your own experience, like the you know the pain in your body or the bad thoughts you might be having or whatever. Metta is is non-critical, isn't it? It's, it's it's the idea of spreading metta to all sentient beings, not based on you know their goodness or evilness. Equal metta for all conditions. It's a good reflection, not to criticize, uh, not to uh, get caught in, in even, you know, you see uh, the aversion you feel maybe to, to uh, your thoughts or memories. 
or a physical body, have metta for that. It's the kind of willingness to accept conditioned phenomena as it is. Doesn't mean approving or liking it, but allowing conditions to be what they are, because at this moment, whatever condition you experience, it is the way it is. It can't be any other way. And then if you don't want it, then you want it to be something it can't be. So you compound it with, you know, trying to change it and, and we get into, you know, battles with ourselves, suppression, depression. So on the Sakyaditi level, you know, there's a, there's a hopeless task to try to become enlightened as a person. So the, the enlightenment is not, the personality never, never can be enlightened. We can improve our personalities, make them kinder, better, and things like that, but that's not, that's not it. It's still, the personality is conditioned. And therefore this awareness, there is the unborn, aware of the born, the personality is born. You know, it begins and ends, it changes. <clears throat> but that which is aware of the born is the unborn. That which is aware of the created is the uncreated. That which is aware of the conditioned is the unconditioned. So in his, uh, like Lung Po Cha years ago, I remember him saying that if you don't somehow recognize uh, Sotapanna <laughs> in the first few years, I mean, but this is, but then the Western mind, how many of the Western monks grasp that is like, you know, like I should attain Sotapanna within five years, kind of thing. You know, so it's uh, because there is a strong desire in in the Western mind to become a Sotapanna or an Arahant or whatever. You see, in Thailand, among the Western monks, is so in such a kind of you know, this is a, to get the jhanas and to become stream enterers. And so this is, uh, this is how, this is uh, Sakya Ditti Silapata Bharamasa Wichikicha. And then in Asia also, in Thailand or Sri Lanka, they can hold up stream enterer as some kind of attainment. So, you know, is Ajahn Mahabua an Arahant? Or it was Lung Po Cha an Arahant? Or who's a stream enterer and who's a Sakadakami and all that kind of So it goes into speculation. 
So taking these terms and, and putting them in Sakya Ditti um, contexts. That's not what, how to use it. You know, it's not about becoming, me becoming a stream enterer. It's recognizing, awakening to Dhamma. As simple as that. So it's not a, it's not a claim that I can make from a personal position. Doesn't make sense. So, you know, like, I, I have a B.A., a bachelor's <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> but, but in terms of uh, uh, Sotapanna, it's merely a skillful reflection, like these fetters, you know. It's, it's a tool to use. It's not a position to take or describe anybody else with. It's like, you know... It's, uh, you know, if you use this, this teaching properly, it's very helpful to, you know, it's kind of clear, clearly stated, the first three fetters, as I've been reflecting on this morning. You know, they're quite obvious once you begin to, to recognize them as that. And uh, it's not, it's not asking you to do some, something uh, impossible. But also, it's not about becoming a stream emperor either. It's just seeing the, you recognizing the obstructions to the path, to aware, you know, to seeing the path clearly. And if we never see the path clear, then there's always going to be doubt about, am I on the path or not? Am I, you know, is this the right way or not the right way? Am I practicing? Uh, in the right way or not, or maybe I better ask Ajahn Sumedho or go ask Park Sayadaw or go ask uh, Lung Taboa or somebody, you know, an authority to tell me whether I'm a stream enterer or not. Because what is that? That's Sakya Ditti, isn't it? You want to, you, you know, you, you, you're still full of doubt about yourself, seeing yourself always as somebody who's trying to become something and uh, and never recognizing that stability, that inner strength that comes through, recognizing awareness and the, and the confidence. Once you recognize it, recognize it, it's not a created state based on personal desire. It's reality, it's, it's here and now, so it's not something you lack, it's just something you don't recognize. 